Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. Okay, this week we have a twofer for you. Two very interesting personalities. I'll tell you more about Melanie when we get there, but first up is Henry Lee Summer. You guys remember him, that Heartland rocker from the mid to late 80s? He had some hits back then. This was one of them, probably the biggest one, Wish I Had a Girl. There was also Hey Baby. He had that gigantic, glorious mullet and the tight jeans and the funny videos. He was uh, straight out of Indiana. It was great. He had four major label albums between 87 and 93 that are all so strong. And unfortunately, after that, things changed. And he kind of disappeared. There's drug addiction. There's arrests. There's bankruptcy. There's divorce. There's all the things that so often accompany a career in, in rock and roll. Thankfully, he's been sober now for a few years. He's trying to get it back together. He's got a new album called Live It Up that I think is coming out soon. They sent it to me, but uh, I'm not sure what the release date on this is. So if you're interested, keep tabs on Henry and you'll find out. But anyway, there's a lot to cover here and uh, some of it's good and some of it's a little tragic, but he's he's a survivor either way. Also, I'll tell you, I had to record this on my phone. And so the sound quality when that's the case is not as good, but you'll figure it out, it's fine. So anyway, let's listen to Henry first. I'll tell you more about Melanie in the middle. Uh, he called me from his home in Indianapolis. Did you guys win the, uh, the NBA championships this year or something? We did, yeah, the Nuggets uh, won. Pretty great, right? Yeah, I love basketball. Yeah, of course. You know, I, got, I, got a full, I got a full-ride scholarship back in the day at the Western Wyoming Junior College. You did to play basketball? Uh-huh. No way. Way? What position? I'm sorry? What position were you? Guard. Wow. Did you still have the mullet while you were playing basketball? Well, I I, I got out there. I mean, I always, music was always first. So, like, yeah. the first time that, because I joined a band, too, and I got out there, and the first time a home game, a game was in the same time frame as a gig, well, the gig went out, and then, but they, they were so nice. They let me stay the whole year, a full ride, and got free meals and everything, and free lodging, even though I wasn't going to class. So they they were just really cool people. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Good for you, man. So I have had a fascination with you since day one. I mean, I'm not from Indiana, so I only know the Epic albums. But um, ever since then, I've just loved you. And I want to tell you a couple of stories. Number one, you have one of my favorite misheard lyrics. So, Hey Baby is one of the greatest songs ever. <laughs>
I love Hey Baby. It just fills me with joy. I have always thought until a few years ago that the uh, the lyric was Hey Baby, I'm home. Like I'm getting home from work or I'm home. Let me wrap my loving arms around you. And I always think, what a sweet thing to say. Here's this guy. He's just coming home from work. He's banging the door, barging the door open. Hey, baby, I'm home. Let me wrap my loving arms around you. And then I find out that it's you saying I'm wrong. And I think, well, that's different. You know, come home. Uh, yeah, yeah, hey, baby, I'm, I'm home. I'm, I'm, sorry. I'm home is a better lyric. I know. So I have to tell you, I actually like my lyrics better than yours. It is. Wrong. <laughs> but most, most people think that I'm saying I'm hung. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were, I thought you just got home from work and you slammed the door open. Hey, baby, I'm home. You know, that, you know what? That makes much better sense. Do you, when you, <laughs> when you wrote that song, were you apologizing for something you had done? You know what? John, it's been so long I can't remember. I know that. Really? That's one of those songs that I, I wrote in like five minutes, like same thing as Wish I Had a Girl. It's something, that, you know, idea came to me and like as quickly as my mind just wrote, you know, wrote it down. Just an uh-huh. idea. I don't, a lot of times I don't know where it comes from, but uh-huh. that was one of, the, one of those kind of songs. Uh, I believe it. I have another story for that song, and I hope this is, it's not a very politically correct story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. So I was driving home from the gym. And so I was really sweaty, and it was winter time, and I wanted, um, I just wanted to cool off. So I rolled down all the windows in my car, and I had "Hey Baby" again blaring out of the speakers. And it's the middle of the day on like a Saturday, you know. And as often is the case, there were like these three or four black kids walking just down the middle of the street in my neighborhood, and. Yeah. I pull up and I'm, you know, I have to kind of slow down and wait for them to acknowledge that I'm there and that they need to get out of the way so I can drive. And they kind of shoot me these looks like, cause they're black and I'm white and I'm the jerk and I'm, and I get that. I understand. But while they're doing this, I am blasting, Hey baby, as loud as it'll go to these, you know, four black guys who probably want to kill me. It couldn't have been more opposite. You know what I mean? The the going, what is, really what is this? Stuff? I know. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, white people. Yeah. You know? What's this, just, what's this white dude playing his hockey music? Exactly. Exactly. So anyway, and then I got to tell you one more story. This one's not as, this one's a little more sad. So <clears throat> 15 years ago, I live in Denver, and I'm from Salt Lake City originally, and 15 years ago, almost around this exact time, my Uncle Bob died, and he was someone I was really close to. And I had driven out. I make that drive from Denver to Salt Lake a lot, and I was I had driven out to the funeral, and I was on the drive back, and, so, and I'm listening to uh, Way Past Midnight in the car, the CD, and um, it finally kind of hits me that he's gone, and I start thinking about death, and I think about family and life, and it re- and I really start crying pretty hard. Hard enough where I think it's probably safe, I would be safer if I pulled over. So I get off, and I park in a gas station parking lot in the middle of nowhere of Wyoming so that I can have a good cry while I'm listening to Way Past Midnight thinking about my uncle. 
And like I said, I make that drive all the time. And so every time I pass that gas station, I think about you and I think about my Uncle Bob and how I had a good cry that day 15 years ago. So yeah. anyway, I say all this to let you know, Henry, that you've been a part of my life for a long time. Yeah, I, I, you know, I appreciate that very much. Of course. Yes. So, I mean, I've heard, I've read, you know, some of the bad stories and stuff like that. We don't have to dwell too much on that. But where have you been? What does Henry Lee Summer do every day? Well, first I got to tell you that when I was in college, one of the things the basketball team used to do, we used to drive automobiles from the from the car salesman from from Rock Springs, Wyoming to Salt Lake City. Really? That, yeah. I think when you said that, that, that reminded me of that. I drive through Rock Springs every time I make that yeah, drive. Yeah, that, that's where I went to college at, in Rock Springs, Wyoming. You went to college in Rock Springs, Wyoming? Uh-huh. Did you play that's basketball? Got, uh-huh. That's crazy. Yep. And I played, also played in the, the school band, the swing band, you know? Yeah. So it, it, I had a, it, they were very nice people, just really nice people there. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, that's great. What a, that is crazy. What a crazy connection. I never would have guessed. Yeah, I, I always came up through Denver a lot of times. You know, came came across and went up to Denver, on up to the uh, Rock Springs. Yeah, yeah, I make it all. I make that drive several times a year. Denver's a beautiful, a, a beautiful city. Yeah, it is. Did you ever play Salt Lake City? I don't know how much touring you would have done. Uh, we played there we, we, a, a couple times with other bands. You know, I, we'd be the warm up band. I think we played there with Doobie Brothers. Oh, I love the Doobie Brothers. Yeah, they were great. Absolutely, yeah. and, and I think we also played there with the uh, Allen Brothers, maybe. I'm not okay. sure. Okay. Wow, what a life, Henry. So what do you do all day? Do you, I mean, are you still making, I got, I got, do you perform a lot? What do you do? Do yeah. you have a regular job? I got a record, and I have a Candy Send You One. It's a brand new, I just got it done. Ooh. It's called uh, 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 Live It Up. And oh, I think yeah. I, I think if you like it, I think you, and when you get it, I want you uh, uh, the text candy back or myself. Tell me what you think. You know, listen to it like three or four times, and tell me what you think about it. I will happily. I will do that. I've been wondering where new Henry Lee Summer music is coming from. What? Yep. And so it sounds like now's the time. That is great. You still play out a lot up there in Indiana. We play. We 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 play usually like four times a month. Like usually once a a week, okay. like on a weekend. Okay. But we don't play clubs anymore. We just play, you know, like fairs and festivals and, and theaters, small places like that. Usually, like three or four hundred seat places. Yes. Yeah, that I I love stuff like that. Kind of the like the county fair circuit. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like you know the stock show and maybe a rodeo and stuff like oh, yeah, that. We play, we play all those. <laughs> I love that. I love that kind of thing. And you mostly play within the state of Indiana. Um. Indiana and uh, in, in the surrounding, uh, like some in Kentucky, some in Ohio, some in Illinois. Okay. okay. Man, how do we get Henry Lee Summer to Denver? I want you to come play in Denver so I can finally. Where would a band at my level play in Denver? What, 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 do they have a place like a 300 seat place? Yeah. That would... yeah, they've got places like that. Yeah. yeah. We'll have okay. to talk offline. I, uh, I might, uh, see what I can do. So do you, um, so all, the, is that, like, I don't even know anymore. Are you married? Do you have kids? I'm, I'm engaged to be married. Uh, my daughter's getting married in September, and I'm getting married after my daughter gets married, like, probably the end of September. 
So one of the girls in my band, she's been, we've been, we've dated off and on. Even when both of us got married to other people and got divorced, and, and now we get, she's ten years younger than me. But okay. She's always been one of the, she's always been one of the girl back, you know, singer. Sure. In band. Sure. Good for you. So I know that you went through some rough times there for a while. How are you doing now? I think you were. I've been reading all these old articles, and and a lot of them you're clean. And I don't yeah, know how I, long that's lasted. Yeah, I uh, unfortunately, um, I got. I'm not. This is not an excuse, but I kept getting bronchitis, and I didn't realize they were giving me a hydrocodone, which is, which is a uh, opiate. Which yeah. I'm very. I mean, I hadn't done any drugs. I was 45. Hadn't done any drugs. But once I got my system, I real quick became a heroin addict, a meth head. I mean, all of it. I mean, I completely went all the way. But I've been clean now for seven years. It was hard. It took me probably three years to get it to finally quit. But yeah, uh, but a lot of help and you know a lot of prayers. And, uh, yeah, because yeah. It's, it's hard. It's, it's it's. I used to think, well, if they want to quit, they quit. No, I didn't like that. Yeah. Do you, you ever go to like NA meetings or anything like that? I did. I did for a time. Uh, you know, I had all, I mean, I had a sponsor and stuff. But in the last, you know, probably five years. I'm real, I have a, a good structure around me, you know, with family and stuff, and they keep a close eye on me. Like, uh, like no money comes to me; it goes to my brother. Just to be on the safe side, things like that. Yeah. They're watching, yeah. make sure that I don't fall off the wagon, you know, things like yeah. that. Good for you. Speaking of money, we um, we talked sensitively about the business side of things. When I was reading one of the articles for you about you, I was reading that for a while there, it seemed like most of your income was on royalty checks from like having songs on the sniper soundtrack and twins and stuff like that. Is that, yeah. was that the main kind of mailbox money that you received for, for a while there? Because I wasn't, I wasn't able to play. So I have, I have like, I think eight or nine songs in, in movies. Yeah. So, and a lot of these movies get played a lot. So, I mean, it's not big money, but enough to pay my rent. Sure. You know? Yeah. I think I read for a while there, you were in a, like an apartment that was like a hundred bucks a week or something like that. Or yeah, four hundred. It's four hundred bucks. Four hundred bucks a month. Bucks a month. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Well, it sounds like you're surviving, man. You know. No, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying life. I really, I really hope you like this record because I, I uh, do. Yeah, I, th I think that you need to. It, it, you need to listen to it like two or three times before you know it hits you. Okay. Well, I mean, I I already love what I hear from Henry, Henry Lee Summer, so I'm not worried about it. I can't wait to hear new music from you. Speaking of no, which, I, I wanted to ask you about those epic years. So, I'm sorry? For instance, I'll give you an example. A few years ago, Graham Mabey was on here, and he and I were talking about you, and I was telling him how much I loved Henry, and he said, you know, I had so much fun playing with Henry. It wasn't what I was used to, because he had been, you know, in more like New Wave and Power Pop with Joe mm -hmm. Jackson, but here he, he was with you for a couple of years. How did you he, get Graham Maybe in your band? He played on my, the, that first record. And he, yeah. He's just a wonderful person. He is. Yeah, he was so fun. And, yeah, he played. He, so we asked him. And he really, we couldn't afford him, but he was such a nice fellow. And he wasn't busy at the moment. So he would have, you know, he probably played for like one-third of what he used uh -huh. to getting. But he did, he's just a nice fellow. He went out and he just had a blast. He's a, a wonderful musician. He is. He's still incredible. You listen to those Joe Jackson albums, and that's yeah. why I think it's so interesting because 
Joe Jackson's crowd is very different than a Henry Lee Summer crowd. Very much. He's there for both of it, you know? It, it, it's Grant, who's Grant playing with now, you know? That's a good question. Well, Joe, Joe Jackson still tours. Um, yeah. So I know he plays with Joe when he tours, but when he's not touring, he just kind of does whatever. Yeah. Uh, do you remember a band called the Smithereens? Yeah. Yeah. We, played, we played with them. Uh, they're one of my favorite bands ever, too. He's Great, friendly yeah. with them, and they'll play some uh, one-off things together sometimes. He so, played with uh, uh, that that one girl. Uh, uh, I can't. Is that that girl singer in the band? But I can't think of even like a new way kind of band. Let me oh, see. I can't think. I can't well, think. I think I know what you mean, and it's, I'm blanking too. Um, I, I think her name was Natalie or something. Yeah. Natalie Merchant, that's right. Natalie Merchant. Oh, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Natalie Merchant from 10,000 Maniacs. That's it, that's yep. it. Yep. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, sure. He plays with her, too, sometimes. So, yeah, yeah, he's just, he's a really well-respected bass player, and when the right people come along and need yeah. him. Well, he can play, play any kind of music. Yeah, he plays yeah. everything. Yeah. So let me ask you, too. I was curious about how, I mean, you had some really heavy hitters on those albums of yours. Kenny Aronoff's on there. Pierce. Mm-hmm. You have Earl Slick playing on um, The Boys and Girls Are Doing It. As soon as that song starts, you can tell that's Earl's guitar. How did you get Earl in your band? Because uh, uh, the, the 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 guy that was producing it was friends with him. Oh, yeah, that's usually how it is. It's uh, you know whoever's producing your record, they usually have people that they want to if they have an idea that will good good on the song. You know they'll bring the means because they'll, they'll clear with the record company and the record company to pay for it. You know. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. And Kenny Aronoff. How'd you get well, Kenny Aronoff? Same thing. Well, I've been knowing Kenny because he's he's from right here where I, where I live. Good point. Yes, of course. Yeah, because he, he played Mountain's band, so I've been yeah. he's been he's played in, with me you know for twenty five thirty years. Yeah, he's a legend. Uh, unbelievable. Yes, he is. Speaking of legends, so I want to ask you about the song "Till Somebody Loves You." Don't know what it means. 
because that was written by Diane Warren and Michael Bolt. Uh-huh. And those uh, talk about heavy hitters and legends. Again, how did they come to write a song for you? Did they just write that song and it was selected for you, or did they write it specifically for you? Uh, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it says so on the on the credits, but I I I'll see if we wrote we wrote two or three songs together. You wrote it with them. Uh, yeah, because oh, I, I, I went I went and stayed at his house for a couple of weeks, and then I went with Diane and stayed not with Diane Warren, but you know worked work with her for a while. It, it's that's all done through the record company and the publishing companies. Yeah, they they set you up with uh, uh, people like that. Uh huh. But they're very okay. nice people. Very talented. I mean, my goodness, they could write a song. Just sit down and write a song like that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, that's that's why they're legends. And Michael sings on that song with you. Oh yeah, he's Amazing. a great, great singer. Yeah, he is. Yeah. When that happens, I mean, with that song, I don't remember if that song was a single. And if it wasn't, why isn't a song written by the two of them, performed by and you, not a hit song? Why did the label not get behind that? I don't know. You know, they're. The first record, the people who signed me were at the label. After yeah. the first record, they left and went somewhere else. And you hear this story all the time. It really makes a big difference because if you don't have somebody championing your your band, sometimes you just get lost in the shuttle. Yeah. Yeah, it's so sad. Were you signed to Epic because Time for Big Fun was such a big regional hit that they yeah, thought, we oh, we should pay 50,000 copies. Yeah. And we could prove it. We, you know, we said we had sales figures to the store so we could prove it and that they just couldn't believe it and that's it. because it, you know it's it's hard to get especially from being in the midwest it's hard to get them to commit to sign you to a deal oh yeah oh yeah and i had yeah, good management they, if i wouldn't those, kind, those kind of things LA. made a big difference yeah oh of course they do yeah and they probably want you to move to la and you're like look i'm an indiana guy and if Mellencamp can do it i'm going to do it too right? yeah well, it, luckily, because of Mellencamp's success, he kind of set the, yeah. you know, he he he's opened up, so they weren't they weren't really bugging me to do that. I mean, they were they were fine, because and just because I had really good management, they could take care of all the stuff. Plus, I was always in Los Angeles or New York, you know, as, at the drop of a hat. Anytime they needed me, I'd fly there, you know. So yeah, yeah. Um, when Wish I Had a Girl became the hit that it did. What was the next single after that? Was it Danielle? Uh, hands on the radio. Hands up. That's right. Okay, that's yeah. what I thought.
while I mean you've gone from this you know lovable guy in Indiana to now being a real major player on a big label with a hit song touring the world how did your and it, apparently at that point you had never tried drugs or anything so that's not no not until, I, not until I was 45 yeah Crazy. Uh, so uh, how did your life change when I got Sunday it can change completely because you know I was on the road you know, I was between New York, L.A., Tampa. I mean, I just, uh, one whole tour, I flew every day. I, I, you know, I flew to the places like I could do radio in the morning. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was nonstop. Because while you're, if you're, if you're, if you're hot, they, you know, you just go, you never sleep. You just go, 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 and try to get, yeah. you know, keep, keep it going as far as you can. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and just every day, every day, they had the whole, the whole day scheduled for stuff you got to do all day long. You know, meet people, go to this, go to this, and, yeah. You know. Yeah. You, I remember when you were in Arsenio. Do you have, what, do you remember, do you remember that? Do you have a story oh, yeah. about being on Arsenio? And he was very nice. He, they told me, he said, whatever you do, do not go out in the office. Somebody had done that and they got real mad. And I, I was talking to him before, and he goes, he, I said, well, I, I, don't worry, I won't do that. And he goes, do whatever you want, Henry. And so I did. I ran out the <laughs> You'll see what I freaked out. It was fun. That's great. What do you remember? I'm a huge Doobie Brothers fan and a fan of a lot of the people that you played with. What are some of your memories from back then of either being the opening act or playing with someone you loved? The Doobie Brothers, one thing, I mean, they're, they're extremely nice. They had, as we got to know each other, they would, they would come out and sing like with me on Hey Baby. I'd, I'd turn around, there'd be all three of them no, really? singing back then. And then I'd come out and sing and listen to music. I remember being on stage thinking, son of a gun, I used to play this in bands, you know, as a kid, and here I am on stage with them. It was unbelievable. Oh, that's great. They were, they were super nice. Yeah. No no bands were treated us bad. They, they didn't cut our sound. They didn't cut the lights. They, they were nice to us. We were lucky. That's great. What are your memories of the Farm Aid show from 1990? That was wild because that's my home, you know, that's home, my yeah. hometown. So yeah. 50,000 people, I probably knew every one of them. No, I bet you did. Does everyone just hang out backstage? Like, did you just sit and talk oh, yeah. with, you know, Bill Monroe about? There, yeah, because I know, you know, I know a lot of them. And plus, you know, like Elton Jones there, uh, Ringo Starr. I mean, there's Bon Jovi. There's all kinds. So that's that's one of the cool perks. Even if you don't reach that level, you still a lot of times get a chance to meet all those people. Yeah. And I just, I love meeting all you know like all these famous people because they a lot of them be my heroes. I meet them and just like wow, he's just he's like a normal person. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's wild. Who were who influenced you growing up? I mean, is my, it Elvis my, or my, is it? Well, the Beatles are the band that, that, yeah. that of course like everybody else my age. But, the singer Paul Rogers was the, the guy that if there I could sing like somebody, that's yeah. that's who I'd want to sing like. You did it, man! You were really close. He's one of the best frontmans ever. Ever, he's, he's, he's unbelievable. Yeah, he's, he, he's just got whatever it is. He's got it. He doesn't have to try. He just got it. Yeah, I uh, I talked to Simon Kirk, the drummer, recently, and he was incredible too. Bad Company, yeah, was a great band. Yeah, yeah. Nick Rouse, all those guys. I'm curious when Slam Dunk comes out. Do you know before you make that album that it's it might be your last one on yeah. a major label? I I wasn't going to get to make that one. They did. They pretty much did that as a favor, just, just as goodwill. 
because my numbers weren't good enough after my third record to do another one. But and uh, Tony Cola did not like me, and he didn't want to do another one. But the, my guy and T.J. Martell said, "No, we're going to do. We promised him four. We're going to do four, and it did. Yeah. So I got nothing but but you know, respect for what they. You know, hear all these stories, but they they did nothing but treat me really nice. Yeah, that's great. You know, I was I don't remember seeing the video for Ain't That Love back then, but I watched it recently to get ready to talk to you. It's a surprisingly um, like noteworthy video because you've got several minorities in there. You've got people in drag on there. It almost feels like I know that album is like from the early '90s, but it almost feels like the message is, you know, love is love and love whoever, and we're all different. And yet, that was 30 years ago from a guy in Indiana. Maybe I'm way overthinking this. I'm a straight person, bro. I've always hung around, had friends who were gay and. Sure. All these different, I, but no, I never even think about it. I don't, and so a lot of times when people say, "Well, man, how do you get?" I, I always say, "What do you mean? How they're the same as you and me? They're, they're just, it's all everybody's the same." It's just, yeah, that's what their sexuality has nothing to do with the person. That's just what they. That's just a small little part. I know. I just thought that was a really revolutionary video. So how did how was it broken to how was how was the news broken to you? That Epic was not going to pick you back up after the guy, they, they, uh, head, the head guy flew out to Indiana and told me to face to face. Really? Yep. Yeah. He said, "Listen, he goes, we missed a couple of things. Some things didn't go right. You know, you you missed a couple of things. That if we would have done this, maybe if we would have done that, that we we appreciate you tried hard and, and you shook eyes nothing. But I said, man, I'm sorry. I we, I know I." I missed a few things I should have done, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, they would, I mean, that, that takes, that takes, you know, that's character. Yeah. Fly all the way out to internet and just, you know, just tell me, say, look, man, we just, this is it. Yeah. You know? So what it wasn't, I was, I was very pleased that, that they were that, you know, I had nothing bad to say about it. Yeah. So what do you do at that point? Do you start shopping around independent labels? Do you, yeah, do I started, I, I started, um, Trying to get a, a game plan too. I didn't want to go back, try to get on another label per se because I, I already done that. I knew I wanted to get on a big time label again because I'd already had my, you know, they're not, somebody else is not going to sign me unless I would have, you know, had a big hit after the, the fact. So I didn't. So I was going to try to get on a smaller label and then ha- have my own distribution or vice versa mm-hmm. so I could at least sell le- less records but still be able to support the band and pay for touring and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Did it work out very well? well I mean, I some know well, some, somewhat. Yeah, uh, there's, 
it's hard once once you when you're growing up, you know, it's it's easy. People want to be around you, and people it's hard. It's easy to get people to work for you. But after you've been like let go from your from your uh, label and stuff, it becomes a whole nother. It's hard because people they, they, you know people want to work with people who are going up, not people are going down. So yeah, yeah. But you, you know, uh, I'm I'm still I'm still trying. I didn't give up. Sure, no, um, I I believe it. Was did you have enough of a cushion of money after all of this to kind of keep you afloat for a while, or was it rough? Well, going? I've always been able because I don't have I I don't have any expensive taste or anything. So I I've always been able to get along. And if I could make a couple hundred dollars a week, I could get along. Yeah. yeah. So it, it wasn't. Yeah, we I didn't make much money, but. Um, I didn't ever go hungry. That's good. So, I didn't know if you had some giant signing bonus with Epic, and so when it ended, you still had enough in savings left over. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I still had, uh, <clears throat> I still had enough that I could float for you know, at least a couple of years. Even if I would, sure. even if I wouldn't have played, I could have floated because they hit. I, they did took money back for me. Everything. Okay, that's good. And so after all of this. Uh, when you, tr- my understanding, if I remember correctly from what I was reading, that the the substance abuse started. Did it start with like cough medicine or something? Yeah, Tessinex. I didn't oh. realize. I didn't realize that. I get. I think that that's when that the. the uh, I don't know this for a fact, but a lot of the ph- pharmacies were giving the the, uh, the doctors and stuff free samples and stuff, and so. My doctor wasn't trying to, he didn't, they didn't think anything about it. I don't think he realized it either, but he gave me these big bottles and stuff. And like the first couple of times, I didn't even take any of it. But one night, I was real sick. I took a, like a big table, a big teaspoon, whatever. Uh-huh. And, I, and that, that all she wrote, you know, once I got in my system, that was off to the races. Oh, man. But that's still my fault. I'm not trying to blame him. It's, you know, I, oh, you have to. But I always yeah. knew if I got, I knew, because I'm a very addictive person. I knew if I got into that, it'd be hard hard road and it was yeah. yeah that's rough man were you ever homeless or anything like that well i, I never i didn't have to be homeless but yeah I, because I, my parents are, are wonderful and my parents are good sure. they, they're both of them not they're still alive they're both 96 years old this year yeah wow they're still healthy. holy cow <laughs> and they they, they uh, they're just good people and they never would ever turn their back on you know any of their kids i got three brothers oh wow Good for you, man. Family. Yeah. What would oh, yeah. be without family sometimes, you know? Yeah. I grew up with, like, leave it to beaver kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Jeez, that's wild. Um, okay. Can we t- we got to talk about your hair for just a minute because that was sort of – that was the thing that you were sort of known for was this giant mullet. Was that you who picked <laughs> that or did someone – did the record label say, we just need more hairspray in there so we can get this as big and noticeable as possible? Well, I think I think that was like I I, I passed it off as that was a, I had a, I had a, my assistant tour manager girl. She was a hairstylist. Oh. She she always was fixing my hair box. If you knew me, you'd know that I don't pay no attention. I I could care less about stuff like that. I don't care about clothes. <laughs> but anyway, they tried to dress me up and make me all like spruce up. And right. It, it it fooled a few people, but not very many people. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, good for you, man. So, what's the what's next for you? So, the new album. Do you know when it's going to come out? Uh, probably in a couple of weeks. Uh, oh, really? I, I, okay. I, yeah, I just, I mean, yeah, I'm having people do the, that do the streaming and get that all has to be all yeah. taken care of. But yeah, it's it's been done for a while. I just went waiting to get all my 
Ducks in a row before I release it. Yeah. Oh, good for you. That's exciting. So yeah, that's very exciting. I was, just, I was, ask, ask, oh, I'll tell Candy, but, but just tell, uh, you know, sure, send you out to where, where you're at. And then, I would love and, that. And tell me how, what you think about it. I will. Even if you don't like it, just tell me, like, what critique of it, like, what, I well, I'm missing this. You know. Absolutely. I will let you know. Um, I was noticing, you know, you're kind of a difficult person to research for something like this because what I was finding is there's not, like, Henry Lee Summer needs at least a greatest hit CD, you know, with like 10 tracks on it. I know you had two big hits, but there are other things that could be on there. Or like there's not, there's not a lot on YouTube. It's almost like your, most of your albums are not streaming. Just the, the self-titled is on Spotify. The rest, luckily right. I have CDs of those. Well, we're, Why we're, is we're, that? We're getting, uh, just because of, I don't know anything about that stuff. And I don't have my, my, my management. He got a aneurysm in his head, and so he had to retire. And so oh. I just been kind of left on my own. But Candy's helped me out now, so she's going to help me get this on. And we're going to get uh, also soon. We're going to have a greatest hits, like what you said, put yeah. a bunch of them on a, a double CD or something. And yeah, yeah we're going. We're going to. I'm going to start. They're going to get me a computer, and I'm going to start putting things, you know, so I can communicate with people, you know, that that like my music. Mm -hmm. So that there's, you know, more of a camaraderie thing there that people yeah. hope to stay interested, you know? Definitely. There needs to be at least like a 20th Century Masters, you know, 10-track Best of Henry Lee Summer CD or something out there. there yeah, yeah. I, I, it'd, be all, it'd be all the original. Because uh, yeah. after 20 years, after 20 years, it all reverts back to me, you know? Oh, good. Oh, well, then you'll start making more money off that anyway when the time yeah. is right. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Great. Good deal. Well, Henry, I just find you so interesting. I've just been so curious. Well, I'm sorry I messed up about the time, man. John, I, That's I, I okay. Get... That's okay. I waited seven years to talk to you, and it's totally <laughs> worth it. <laughs> well, well, thank you. Well, so let me ask you this. this is, I often ask this at the end of when I, after I do my interviews. I want to know what some of your favorite stories are or your favorite memories. I mean, I from the, of, of, small of Indiana into the limelight. Tell me a story about it. <laughs> well, I've, um, I've been playing music ever since 1967. Wow. Uh, I got, when I started, what, what made me want to play was like everybody else. I saw the Beatles in 64 on Ed Sullivan. Uh -huh. And I started playing guitar and drums. And I, I, still taught my, I taught myself how to play all the instruments. And, but the, uh, I remember I never even thought about whether or not I was going to do it for a living because it didn't make any difference. I knew I was going to play music whether I made any money or whether I made not any money. Uh -huh. There's never people ask me, was there? When did you decide to play music? I, I never decided. It just that's what I was going to do, yeah. one way or another. So I've had lots of ups, I've had lots of downs, but I've I've done this my whole life, and I've never I'm I'm. I'm a success because I've never, nothing against work. Work's good. I work hard sure. with music, but I've never had to have a job. I've supported myself and my children with music. So I, I consider myself very blessed. That's great. Where do you live, by the way? I live right by the racetrack in, okay. in, in Indianapolis. I live, I could throw a rock and hit the race, the uh, okay. 500 mile racetrack. That's wild. Good for you. Well, yeah. Henry, I, this means a lot. I've been wanting to talk to you for years. I just think you're great. And I'm glad you're picking it back up. Thank you, Doc. All right, there you have it. Henry Lee Summer. 
I loved that guy's stuff back in the day. Well, let me rephrase that. I liked his stuff back in the day. I love it now. I finally came around to buying those CDs later in life, and uh, I love all of them. Just that good old Heartland rock. Henry could sing. He had soul. He was a fun presence in his videos. I like that guy. The new album I've only been able to listen to once, so I haven't fully absorbed it yet. I can fill you in on that later. As I get, Again, as I say, it's called Live It Up, and I'm not exactly sure when it's going to come out. I will uh, update you guys as soon as I know. Now, we're going to talk to Melanie. Melanie was present at Woodstock. She performed there, and her biggest hit in 1971, I believe it was, was Brand New Key. You guys remember that song? It still gets played all the time. However, she doesn't even get paid for it. So we learn about that in here. We also learn about her experience at Woodstock. And she also has a new album out called The Magic Bus. But let me explain. It's not new, actually. Back in 1972, she popped into a radio station called WBUS in Miami and hung out for like an hour, having a conversation with the DJ, playing some songs. That there is a that has been re-released in a limited run, 500, I believe, vinyl and CDs. I have a CD of it. I'll tell you about the end because I'm giving it away to everybody. But anyway, she's here to talk about that and the circumstances around that recording and then what she's been doing ever since. I thought it was really kind of interesting to explore her 80s material, not just because I like the 80s, but it's just the 80s and the gloss and the synths feel so counter to what she would have been about at the time of Woodstock, that folky electric acoustic guitar singer-songwriter Joan Baez kind of vibe. Anyway, there are multitudes to this woman, and we're going to talk about all of them. So she called me from her home in Nashville. It's her son, Bo, who's talking at the beginning because he wants to let everyone know, they both do, that there's a live stream happening uh, this weekend. So if you want to get on her website or her Facebook page or whatever and sign up for the live stream, live stream, go right ahead, okay? Again, she called me from her home in Nashville. Aw, well, thank you. Okay. I usually um, plow ahead and I figure. take the consequences. <laughs> John, John, by the way, I'm not, not going to interrupt again. Um, I, by the way, I'm sorry my voice is funny. I was working all night. Um, we're going to have a Halloween show for Mom <laughs> very soon. So um, I'm, I'm going to hey. let her know about it. But, yeah, it's going to come out. Um, it's going to be available on Friday the 13th, but mom will, but we're going to do like, um, I have to make some banners and stuff, but that, but, but that would be amazing if, if you could mention that. And, sure. and the, the, that would be, and, 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 and the Woodstock, um, the download to oh, right, your, right, right. And, and of course the magic bus. Absolutely. Those three things would be amazing, John. Thank you. So sure. Of course. You're amazing, brother. Thanks for your help. Of course. <laughs> Sorry, my voice is all funny. I, I no, you're fine. Bo, it's so funny. Of course, it's so funny to hear you do this because in the liner notes of the Magic Bus CD, you say in there, Melanie, that you would go into radio stations and your husband would be behind the glass waving <laughs> at you saying, promote yes. the show, promote yes, the album. Right, right. And you're like, I don't even want to think about that stuff. I'm just here to you know, be an artist. I'm not a promoter. And yet here yeah, we are yeah. again. 50 years on yes, or whatever yeah, it is. Exactly. I, yes, now I'm my dad. I become my dad. Yes. <laughs> uh, thank yes. you, John. You're amazing, brother. Thank of you. Of course. Of course. No All problem. Right. That's great. Um, so let's talk about the 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 uh, circumstances around the Magic Bus CD because, well, I have the CD. There's a 500 available vinyl copies. So if anyone wants one, they got to get it quickly. 
What do you remember uh, yeah. about this night? Because my understanding is that you just popped into this radio station out of nowhere. Did you know Curtis yeah. Schwartz? No, I didn't know him, but uh, someone arranged it. I, I was doing a big concert in Miami, and they said, oh, yeah, it would be great if you went on and uh, talked about the show or, or, you know, did an interview, and it would really help. And so I did. Um, I was always really available, you know, when mm-hmm. when promoters or something asked me. But the one thing I wasn't good at was um, promoting. I would I would be perfectly willing to talk about anything, but um, I would never feel like my mission was mm-hmm. to, you know, sell something. That always right. felt like a little bit of a, a I'd bridge against stuff like that. I don't know. I just, now I'm like a, a total. I'm a total salesman. <laughs> I, I did. I realized when my husband passed away. Oh my God! I have to survive. <laughs> and, that, and that requires, you know, like you have to, you know, have finances, and yes. you, you know, and I, none of that was real to me. Yeah. I went from living with my parents to my husband being my manager and mm-hmm. promoter and he was the outgoing one and I was um, a little bit much much more of an introvert so anyway um during that time uh, I had I don't know exactly how but in music business politics I had uh, become not cool mm. oh know, really and, and, Huh. Yeah, really. And it's very strange because, like, to me, at that point, I was an outcast. I was, like, the oddball in school. And a magazine like Rolling Stone or something was, like, my people, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and yeah. so when I came out with um, a record, uh, it was it was the first uh release was on CBS, which later became Sony, but um, it was a short-lived uh, record deal. My husband had made it. I didn't even know what the details um, were. And then we went to Buddha Records, which we had a, a, a pretty long run with them, mm-hmm. or at least several albums. They promoted me in a way that to me was it wasn't to my liking, you know, and they, they kind of made me a blizzard. Were they sort of making you into somebody or something that you're not? Well, I think because focusing on one aspect, mm. you know, beautiful people, she's a flower child, yeah. you know, she is epitomizes um, hippie chick or something, and mm-hmm. I just didn't feel like that was that was me in summation, you know, so, um, I was very, uh, taken wrong, let's Mm. say by heavier underground press people. Mm. Um, when they did an article about me in Rolling Stone, the, the first time it was, um, when I had released candles in the rain and apparently there was the, uh, 
people who aligned themselves with uh, West Coast mostly, oh. and um, there were the Kinney parking lot people, <laughs> mm -hmm. things I knew nothing about, you know. Mm -hmm. But I had, uh, I was well outside of that realm, mm -hmm. and um, you know, I wasn't a person who had anything to do with Jan Werner yeah. and all of this. Um, and so I became, my coolness factor diminished greatly at early on. And mm -hmm. I, I was, I was heartbroken. I mean, I felt yeah. again, my people, you know, yes. and they're not supporting me, yeah. but um, I mean, yeah, they, they said uh, the review of uh, candles in the rain and when I look at it now and I think, how could I have even taken that with a grain of salt? But I, I, I was heartbroken. I said, the Edwin Hawkins singers are great. But when Melanie starts to sing, it's like a, a, a fingernail scratching. Against oh, the come on. I know. I know. No. Like, oh, no. So yes. anyway, the, like, my coolness factor was really diminished. And um, so I became aware that there were certain places I would go or certain interviewers I would speak to that had um, a preconceived idea of the silly bliss ninny that Melanie was, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And um, they, they kept promoting this one hit wonder thing even though I was well into my third hit, you know, yeah, yeah. it was, um, they just kept, you know, if, if you say things enough, they become true, right. you know, in PR. So anyway, I, I developed a kind of awareness of when I was going into quote em enemy territory. Right. So, mm -hmm. okay. This Curtis Schwartz, he had my number, you know, Melanie, she's, you know, she's just a, a pushover. I'll ask huh. her what her favorite color is and it'll be right. all over. And so I went in knowing this and uh, I had my guitar and I, I always knew that the one thing I can do, the one, no matter what it is, whether I can articulate well or not, because I was really young, you know, I, mm -hmm. I didn't really have a lot of experience that wasn't a veteran of show business or anything. So um, as far as articulating, I'm not sure I was that good. You know, my, my answers might've been a lot more brief than they would be now, but mm. I uh, would be armed with my music. Yeah. And I knew, I sensed that whatever it was, I knew what was going on with my music. Yeah. And so I just started singing. And again, he was, I got that vibe, you know, he's, I, I, I was going to blow, blow past it because <laughs> um, he was convinced that I was just fluff. And so I started to sing and then he became more interested yes. and started asking me more questions coming from interest rather than preconceived ideas. Right. And then by the somewhere in the middle of the interview, I knew 
that he had changed his mind. That's great. And and there was something in that that was sweet um, revenge, you know? Yes, I um, bet. It was like, okay, you know, uh-huh. let's judge me for what I am, not mm-hmm. for what the press is saying about me. Yeah. And so um, when when I got a hold of um, Curtis's uh, archives, basically, um, we, um, a, a record label in Miami um, said, would you like to put this out? And Bo Jared, my son, mm-hmm. who has, again, stepped into my husband's producer mm-hmm. shoes, um, he's he, he can restore. He He's yeah. a mastering engineer and everything. And yeah, during the lockdown, he just immersed himself in engineering. And uh, he um, he said, I can I can really work with this. I know Definitely. I can clear it up and because it was only recorded for the radio station right. it wasn't ever ever intended to be a recording to sell or anything yeah so um there it was and there was this it was this attachment that i had to the um to this experience right mm-hmm. so that and then when Bo cleaned it up it sounded amazing yeah. and uh, it it came out as the, and the radio station uh, was WBUS and it was referred to as the Magic Bus. Right, right. I said how perfect. Yes, and, and the photo it. Peter had taken the photo like you know during that time when I was in Miami. So it's beautiful. That was the cover. Yep. You um you won. Uh, Curtis over as soon as you mentioned that your favorite band was the incredible string band. Did you, That's right. have, have you noticed that <laughs> he lost it when you said that he was so happy to hear you say that. And then he just piles you with, plies you with question over, uh, over after question. And you're like, I mean, I, they're my favorite band, but I don't get as nerdy about it as you do, Curtis. You didn't say that, but that's kind of the vibe <laughs> that's going on there. Right, you know? right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So anyway, it was, it was a moment in time that was, fortunately captured and restored and yeah and it's it's there so that's great um, let me ask the, you this oh, YMT, i'm sorry no YMT go ahead records put it out yep. uh just so happens they were working on a a pete ham tribute <laughs> and he had a rich um Eola, uh, sent me um the, of a couple of his recordings and I I you know it's funny when a group is called Badfinger <laughs> it's it's you don't remember who Pete Ham was right, right. it's right. the sad sad truth is that so yeah. many people were in major groups and you don't know their name yeah, because it's he true. was in the group. So he showed me, oh my God, mm-hmm. I love that song. Oh wow, he wrote that. Wow. So yeah. I um I recorded uh one of the songs for his tribute album. Mm-hmm.
But I guess that's just the way the story goes You always smile But in your eyes Your sorrow shows Yes, it shows No, I can't forget tomorrow We were on the road, so we did it in a hotel room. <laughs> That's great. And, uh, Rich sent me a copy of that CD. I haven't listened, had a chance to listen to it yet, but I'm so stoked stoked because I love uh, Batfinger. Fantastic yeah. band. Yes. Well, I, I the weird thing, too, is I um, went on tour, a lot of uh, hippie fests and mm-hmm. things, and uh, Joey Mullen, who was also yeah. in that group, um, would we would always cross paths and that's great he's still uh, out there I, yeah he is yeah. for sure and um yeah so we were um it, it all these little sort of synchronistic things happened yeah. and then the uh opportunity to put out magic bus uh came out and now it's out that's great that's great so let me let me mention something i noticed uh that Brand New Key is missing from the set list of the Magic Bus CD. And I wonder if that song, I mean, you talk about the one-hit wonder, which you're obviously not, but that song has come to the fore of your of all of your songs as being the biggest, maybe, or the most uh, eternal, the one we still hear most often. And right. I'm wondering if how your feelings about that are. First of all, did you purposely not sing that song in that moment because you were trying to sort of remind everybody that you have this whole body of work other than this one quirky little cute song? Or right. uh, and I've, if that's the case, how what's your relationship to it now? I rode my bicycle past your window last Oh, well, now I love it. I mean, I went through everything. You know, I, I um, when Peter, my husband, first heard it, he said, what's that? And I said, oh, just some little thing I was 
playing around with, you know. Uh-huh. And he said, oh, no, 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 do that part again. And I, uh, and I said, oh, no. You know, mm. I said, um, he said, Melanie, that's a hit. Yeah. And I went, oh, no. Yes. <laughs> I yes. Like, if that's a hit, you know, I'm doomed to be cute for the rest of my right. life. So, right. um, you know, please, no. And sure enough, of course, we went in the studio. That That's the other thing about my life. I was in the studio. I think in the studio and on the road performing, I don't think I had any like what people might call real life <laughs> days where yeah. I wasn't, you know, being targeted or spotlighted or mm-hmm. attacked, you know? So mm-hmm. um, that was my life. And mm. um, I, I think um, we had a just opened uh, the, the neighborhood um, label mm. and, mm-hmm. I I probably deliberately didn't do it because yeah. I knew that that would, you know, kind of mm-hmm. uh, go along with that image of, oh, isn't she cute, you know? Yes, yeah. Although I don't know why. I mean, Randy Newman has a song called Short People, and, no, and nobody, you know, but if I wrote that, oh, my uh-huh. God, you know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, my God, I would have been out of the industry. So let me ask you something, Melanie. We try to sensitively touch on the business side of things. And I'm guessing because you wrote that song and it's remained evergreen, has it provided a nice living for you? Some mailbox money throughout the years here and there? No, I mean, uh, it's really? good. I'm, I'm, um, I am working on this. I, and, wow. and I'm sure the right thing will happen at some point, but I, Right, and I would need Paul McCartney's lawyers, you know. To, uh, that makes really no sense. Together. That song is still heard a lot. It's in commercials and movies and stuff like that all the time. You don't and see any of that. And er- nothing. No. Oh. No, like some. Uh, well, the you know the. Uh, I think the um, when you know Sound Exchange or something. Yeah. <laughs> blanket royalties but it's certainly not enough to um keep me alive for sure that no i'm sucks. i'm working i i keep writing um i we've got a whole slew of new songs that i want i can't wait to record Good. and um you know what we do mostly now since the uh the whole uh Lockdown, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I look back now, I think, did that really happen? I know, me too. I, know. I was like, uh, wow, that's pretty incredible. Yes. They, they convinced an entire population to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so I, I, um, my, I, I lost people who, you know, would... I don't mean to COVID, I mean to nonsense, you know, uh, well, you don't want to take a vaccine. That means you like you're anti-black or you're mm-hmm. racist, you're misogynist, mm-hmm. you're a this or that. I said, that's absolutely ridiculous. Uh-huh. I eat organic eggs, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to 
put something in me that I don't know what it does. Right. And, oh, I'm going to kill your grandmother and mm -hmm. all this stuff. And, you know, it was insane. It was absolutely mm -hmm. being politicized and all this virtue signaling and everything that people were doing. I, I was always well outside of mm -hmm. jumping the gun, you mm -hmm. know. So anyway, my, um, my dad I died of COVID. And so, and he died about six weeks before the vaccination became available. And so I have kind of an, uh, I'm not virtue signaling, but I do have kind of the opposite feeling where, and he was a, he was a big Trump supporter, but I think he was, he would have still taken the vaccine. And so I kind of wish people just did it, but Anyway, I, it was madness there for a couple of years. Right. A lot of you it know. was it was so crazy, and of course, statistics were, um, you know, there was no flu. People yeah. didn't die of the flu; they right. only died of COVID, and there were you know financial uh, reasons, uh, you know, that were given. Uh, everybody died of COVID. I mean, it's it's they weren't. They were misdiagnosed. The PCR tests were um, inflated, and uh, it's not it's obviously death is death, you know. Mm -hmm. And it is, and it, but but um, it the vaccine didn't really help people from getting it. So it didn't help them from get it, but it did stop them from dying of it. So it doesn't make it, you know, it's kind of like a seatbelt doesn't stop a car wreck, but it does stop you from, it does make you less likely from dying of a car wreck. And I well, do, I, the I think the facts are out there saying that the vaccine was helpful overall than not having a vaccine would have been. But anyway, we don't have to talk about this. I'm, I, no, um, no. I, no, it's okay. So I, one thing you touched on earlier in your comments, you were saying about not being part of the Rolling Stone crowd or Jan Winner's crowd. You stayed on the East Coast pretty much your whole career, I think. And I wondered if being happily married to Peter and not having, not being like a Rita Coolidge or a Maria Moldauer with famous boyfriends, uh, you know, in Laurel Canyon, right. ever if that ever worked against right. you, you know what I mean? If that was ever... Like you were saying, you weren't yes. in his backyard or at his parties because you're home in New York or New Jersey with your husband living a normal life. And I wondered if that ever, if you felt like that worked against you. It definitely worked against me. Yeah. I, um, uh, I could, there would be circumstances, you know, parties and stuff and, mm -hmm. um, People would say, "Do you have an open marriage?" Oh, <laughs> yeah, well, really, really open. I yeah. I sleep with somebody. Peter kills them. <laughs> <laughs> Very Good. open that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh huh. But no, I mean, it was you know everybody was sleeping with everybody, and <laughs> yeah, and uh, and doing all kinds of drugs. <laughs> and again, I was kind of a purist, you know, I. Uh, I just didn't feel that was what I did. Yeah. So, um, I, it was also, I'd have to make excuses, you know, like, oh, we're going to do some Coke in the back room, you know, we got this pink Coke and I, <laughs> oh, uh, I have a headache. Uh -huh. <laughs> I have to go home, you know. Right. Um, of course. And I, I mean, it was like, I, I never was the person who, 
like really enjoyed hanging out at bars. You know, that's the mm-hmm. thing. I mean, even if I wasn't married, I probably would have, yeah. you know, been on the outs with a lot of people because it was just not my lifestyle. It was, I, I'm I that really way too. Wanted, I wanted to be an archaeologist. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I loved mu- music. Music mm-hmm. was the driving force. It was spiritual to me. Yeah. I mean, it was absolutely only if it was true. I couldn't, I mean, I was during the 80s after, um, I mean, it was very difficult to maintain a career. I was relegated to the, um, you know, the museum species. You know? mm-hmm, <laughs> me, mm-hmm. and, me and Arlo Guthrie would go yeah. on the road, Europe. And, <laughs> and, you know, it was just like we became dinosaurs. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, through nothing. I mean, yeah. people were still out there wanting to hear. Um, and so that they would say things, the press would say things like, she has a cult following, which yeah. is highly insulting because <laughs> that implies that no matter what you do, um, you know, people would buy it because mm-hmm. you're in their, they're in your cult, which is <laughs> very insulting to me. Um, yeah, I, I've just had a career of enduring a lot of insults. <laughs> yeah, I could tell. I wonder if cult is just code for small but passionate, you know? No, I think No, you don't think cult. so? You think cultish? <laughs> okay, that might be. One thing I was curious about too, Melanie, when your career goes, I mean, it's been going on since obviously before Woodstock, and I want to ask you about Woodstock here in a second. I'm yeah. always kind of fascinated with artists like you who when the time of like disco in the late seventies and the new wave in the eighties, I was listening back to some of your eighties albums, like, am I real or what? And I feel <laughs> like this is Melanie doing her very best to stay current and to stay a part of it all, but it doesn't feel like it's you in your comfort zone at all. And I wonder, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you loved it. But I'm wondering how you feel when the times change like that. And you would love to nothing more than just be up there like Joan Baez with an acoustic guitar on a stage probably by yourself. But now synthesizers are coming in and big neon, you know, lights and big hair and all that kind of Yes. How are you feeling in the eighties when the when the culture is sort of way past what would have been your prime? Yeah. Well, I 
I didn't really realize, but um, I had become sort of a a new wave punk uh, person. Oh. You know, the, they played me at CBGBs. And, really? Um, yeah, and there were a lot of uh, of the those punky groups that really liked me, but I didn't know. But mm-hmm. no, I wasn't. I wasn't chasing uh, anything. But I was. I in the. I guess in the spirit of play, I I was playing around. You know, yeah. Yeah. hey, let's see if you know this works. But um, that that a uh, whole. Uh, am I real or what? I signed mm-hmm. with um, Amherst Records, and they're the ones who came up with that cover. And it was oh. like, who, who, <laughs> who did this? It doesn't even look like you. No, I mean, it's not. No. It doesn't look like you. Changed my nose. It uh-huh. changed everything. Yep. Thing on the colors and. Um, and I can imagine that people would think, you know, oh, she's trying to be 80s. I wasn't doing it. I was in the spirit of play. I was uh, just experimenting. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, the uh, one of the musicians from Rick James uh, was playing. I was up in Buffalo. <laughs> oh. And that's another thing. Amherst Records is in Buffalo. Okay. And so I, um, I was in Buffalo, uh, and I I think one of my liner notes might have said, recording an album in Buffalo is not as glamorous as one might think. (laughs) It was, and I I, I actually did go to Rick James' house, and he had, his plates were, had, um, he had like a whole dinner set, everybody got these it was like a sushi party you know it was like <laughs> everything and lots of drugs and uh-huh. uh, and uh, he he grabbed me and pulled me on his lap and said this could all be yours <laughs> <laughs> and wow. whoopie doo you know his place, his place had a marijuana leaf with a big picture of his face, I actually stole one. Oh, that's great! <laughs> I, you still have I it. I thought it was so weird. Yes, I've never been in a an atmosphere like this. And, no, um, and I I thought, my God, what an arrogant, yes. crazy man this is. <laughs> anyway, the the his um, know, bass player, guitarist, uh, came to the studio with me, and we. You know, we recorded some of the songs that I had written, um, just in different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, that I, mm-hmm. not no, I wouldn't have played guitar like that. <laughs> yeah. To um, who's been sleeping in my bed? Right. <laughs> but <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, that's such a cool song. Yes, know? it is. And, it is. Um, and I, I just played around with stuff that was happening. Um, I had to do a, a a promotion. I went to New York City, and um, I, I there was a a girl. I forgot her name. She was huge in the eighties, and uh, she was there. And it, it was one of these. You're up in a, a loft with a lot of 
cool hip DJ people. Mm -hmm. And um, again, in in those circumstances, I didn't feel totally comfortable because, you know, I wasn't going to like try to be 80s or anything. I was. And um, everybody was lip syncing to their record that they were promoting. And Mm -hmm. That felt I was wearing my Bedouin wedding dress, <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> um, and everybody else wasn't. You know, right? So I, I mean, it felt I did feel like the odd man out. You know, like what am I doing here? Um, but you know, I I did what the record company asked me to do. I wasn't going to be the snob artist. You know, yeah, who, who yeah. didn't. I mean, if I'm going to do it, I did it. So Sure, you did. But, uh, you tried I mean, your I, very best. I didn't, I didn't get, um, I didn't quite go as far as Melissa uh, Manchester. Manchester. <laughs> she, she had, um, I remember she, she kind of, I guess, did what Clive Davis told her to do at the yeah. time. Yeah, uh, she was on here a couple of years children. ago. Yeah. Who could she was? you should she was on here a few years ago. I love her. But yeah, we talked yeah, about the eighties too. too. I was I was like a real fan yes. of Melissa Manchester. And then when she had this record and did that whole video of the and dressed up as uh-huh. an eighties person, I thought, oh no. <laughs> We've lost Melissa. <laughs> we lost Melissa Man- yes. Manchester. Yes. And um yeah, okay. it's funny. Uh, um, girls, girls, you know, were yeah. Uh, there weren't as many of us in music, right? And um, I, I desperately wanted to make friends, but yeah, it didn't seem to happen. Uh, even a few years ago, I, I did a show out in L.A. and Melissa Manchester was there, and I was trying to recount uh, that story, and. She, I don't think she took it right. You know? Oh no! <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Well, there was my chance of being her friend." <laughs> it went away. Um, okay, let me. I you talking about the eighties? You put out a covers album a few years ago. Beautiful songs. Is that what it's called? I think it's called Beautiful Songs, isn't it? No. Uh, it's uh, uh, a moment. Uh, yeah, of beautiful my life. hits. No, beautiful hits. Maybe it's a beautiful. compilation, but I found it on Spotify. Be- Melanie Beautiful Hits came out, oh, came out yeah, in 2001. And uh, you do a cover on there oh, of, of Broken Wings by Mr. Mister. Do you remember recording this?
Yes, yes. Now, this is how this happened. I was, again, totally like, this will be fun. Uh Um, I was told that they were going, they needed, Tony Bennett had just done it. Uh So I think, well, that's a seal of approval in some way. (laughs) So um, he's, they wanted my version of uh, songs that people heard, you know, Uh that were hits. And they gave me a list of like a hundred songs to pick, uh, like 20 or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and it was supposed to be uh, shopped for movies or maybe or something. It was not supposed to come out as an album at all. Oh, it was supposed to be. um, And I thought, oh, that's cool. You know, maybe uh, my version of, uh, I, I my favorite one of the ones that I did was um, Boy George. I yeah, did. do you really want to hurt me? Let me love and steal. I have danced inside your eyes. How can I be A banjo version yes. of Do You Really Want to Hurt Me? And yeah. I thought, oh, this is so cool. Yes. I love Bo and I came up with this arrangement and um, we recorded it. But I recorded again about 20 some odd songs and mm-hmm. uh, thought that was the end of that and thought maybe I'll see one in a movie or something. But that is not what happened. I was on the road in Europe. I don't. I think I was in Germany or Holland or something. And uh, this DJ pulls out this album, and it's called "Moments of My Life." And he said, "What made you uh, record this album?" And I said, "I never did." <laughs> that, that was supposed to be something, you know. And I was completely caught off guard yeah yeah and he said are these songs that 
came to you oh during the moments of your life <laughs> uh -huh. oh no and even the title is so abhorrent to me because i don't know it just sounded like you know a hundred year old woman saying uh -huh. moments of my life you know <laughs> and i just had, i just was horrified and sure enough it was the the collection of what i had done that's um, crazy and i he wanted me to talk about each track and how it affected my life. And I said, none of these songs affected my life. <laughs> there, there's some unscrupulous record person somehow got a hold of this and put it out. Oh, but, that's uh, crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, I wondered what the story of that album was. It's so, there's yeah. so many fun, but and odd choices saying, for covers. And, and now you're saying it has this, it's out as in a different with a different title. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my it's called God. Beautiful Hits on Spotify. Beautiful hits. Yeah. Oh, gorgeous. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. There's dust in the wind. There's I guess that's why they call it the blues. Yeah. Um, lots of fun ones. I love it. Um, okay. I wanted to ask you I know you, and, and oh. I love the way we did them all, but but that wasn't, you know, the point. The point yeah. was I, you know, they were going to be. It sound, they were movies. almost like demos or something. It wasn't meant to be. Just hear some ideas and see what you can do with it. That makes sense. Right, I want right. to. I, I want to ask you because I love Richie Havens, and All you guys right. go way back. We've lost him for a while, yeah. but tell me a Richie Havens story, please. Oh, I don't know. Um, we were. He was nice. Yeah, at least he was. You guys were friends. Oh, he was, always. He was absolutely beautiful. Um, at, toward the end, I think there was a girlfriend, or maybe even married her, but um, she didn't quite enjoy our friendship. Oh, oh. Um, but uh, but these had nothing to do with our friendship. Right. We, um, yeah, we traveled. Our we were on so many different tours. We went on an Italian tour, on the craziest Italian tour. You know, this mm -hmm. uh, Italians. I'm half Italian, so I can say this. Mm -hmm. They're fam you know notorious for saying no problem, no problem. Wow. <laughs> you know? And there was a big problem, but um, <laughs> we were all on a bus, and uh -huh. uh, you know, we went from one. The, the tip of the boot of Italy mm -hmm. right up to the north and we were we were schlepped all over the place mm -hmm. um we we shared stories about how we we both got into water he was an aquarian and um water somehow heals you know mm -hmm. so uh, we would I, I told him I the only way I could get out of bed today was run the tub and submerge myself in in water and he said he did the same thing oh wow but, um, yeah and then there was one instance where uh Bo you know who became like we were a duo almost yeah um he uh we were at a club uh upstate New York and um I had I was gonna be performing there a few days later but uh, Bo was there and he went up to Richie and the club owners trying to, 
you know, chased him away as if mm. he was a nuisance or something. And she said, oh, no, 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 man, he is my friend, you know. <laughs> and he was really sweet, you know. That's he great. Was, yeah, no, he was always great. I I admired him. My mother was his biggest fan. She oh, really? She absolutely loved Richie Havens. He's yeah. the best. I love him, she too. was the one who introduced me to his music. Mm. And he was, you know, he was like a big deal yeah. um, when he did Woodstock and in the village. Uh, I was not even mm. half of a big deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, he was always really, really kind and pleasant and very philosophical. And, I bet. Uh, so how do, if you were half of a big deal, how then do you get pulled into Woodstock? Does Michael Lang know you or something, or how does it happen? It was it was Peter. We had um we had an he Peter had an office in the same building as um as I think it was sixteen fifty Broadway. Mm. It was cat corner to the Brill Building on sixteen nineteen Broadway, and uh, Peter had an office there and. Uh, Somehow, you know, oh, yeah, she should be there. Yeah, she should come. It was real casual. And when Peter told me uh, I was going to do this Aquarian Exposition next summer, <laughs> it was mm-hmm. like a year away or something, I thought, oh, that'll be nice, you know, arts and crafts, and mm-hmm. <laughs> shopping. I can go shopping for Beads and sure. incense and handmade soap. <laughs> All the good hippie things. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, I mean, I had no no idea. It was, uh, but but again, I uh, Peter was more friends with Artie Cornfeld. Oh, okay. Than he was with Michael Lang. Artie Cornfeld and uh, uh, Phil Steinberg. They were all kind of buddies, and mm-hmm. it was very casual. You know, yeah, Melanie should be there. So, <laughs> did you arrive by helicopter? Yes, I did. Wow. I um, I I went. Um, in fact, we were. I was in England. I was doing um a film score, uh, for a, a movie with Olivia Hussey and Tom Bell. Wow. Big deal stuff. I I was really contemplating not going mm-hmm. to uh, this festival with you know families and picnic blankets, <laughs> <laughs> but um you know well last minute we decided. My mom picked me up at the airport. Um, I think I spent the night at her house, and then the next day we headed up to um to the festival and we had some traffic and I thought it must be an accident up ahead or something, you know, it was mm-hmm. a weekend upstate New York. So, mm-hmm. uh, I had no pre, no knowledge of what yeah. was happening. Um, yeah. as we got closer, uh, we had to pull off the road and I made some phone calls and, got a hold of somebody said no don't go there go mm. here go to this hotel in bethel and think what is going on i mean this can't have anything to do with this thing <laughs> can it <laughs> and then, sure enough like 
pull into the hotel, motel mm-hmm. in Bethel. And it was just, you know, a, a funky motel. Uh-huh. And, uh, I'm, I'm looking and it's surrounded by media trucks and all kinds of things. And I, I walk into the lobby with my mother and I'm thinking, I've got to get out of here. Uh-huh. <laughs> Definitely. I'm in over my head for sure. Uh-huh. I, I don't, I'm not. And Sly Stone walks by and Ooh, Jack yeah. is in the lobby with, you know, again, media and microphones. Uh-huh. She's slugging Southern Comfort, and I'm, <laughs> yes. I, I, I got to get out of here. <laughs> right. Somebody's Melanie, Melanie, and I thought, oh no. Um, so I said, yeah, hi. They said, yeah, yeah, go to the helicopter. And I said, what helicopter? I don't like helicopters. <laughs> I don't, I don't really trust helicopters. I've never been in one and I don't want to be in one. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I, you know, run to the helicopter and my mother's with me and we're running and we get to the entrance and the guy said, who's she? And I said, oh, it's my mother, you know. Uh-huh. Um, mother? Oh, no, mom. <laughs> Sorry, mom. Bye, mom. Uh, <laughs> just musicians and, uh, you know, roadies and stuff. So we, uh, you know, I said goodbye to my mother. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I got in the helicopter and we're riding over a field of what looks like, I don't know, some kind of colorful crop. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I said to the pilot, I was sitting next to him, and he said, I said, what, what is that down there? He said, mm-hmm. uh, down there? Oh, that's people. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, no. I mean, the stuff that's <laughs> down there. And he said, no, that's people. <laughs> people. We're miles from, yeah. you know, yeah. the place. And, um, so I'm looking at it, and now we're getting lower and lower. And I, he points to this stage that was like the size of a football field. Now, I'd never performed in, uh-huh. on anything bigger than a box, you know? Right, right. <laughs> so, uh, no, it's not actually true. I did, I did perform at a, a couple of theaters with 200 people you sure. know? but um, not half a million no <laughs> and i'm looking and thinking i can't and we land and richie havens is in his like 40th minute of freedom freedom which was an outburst <laughs> from motherless child i think uh-huh, uh-huh. and he just kept going and um i thought they must you know want me on next because that's why I was having to have a helicopter or something. Right. So, um, so I'm figuring I'm going to be dropped on this field and have to get on, go on stage. And um, I was, I was getting sick. I was absolutely getting sick. I, yeah. I never, I mean, if you can try to imagine, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're a school teacher and you, you, you teach in front of 20 kids a day, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and and all of a sudden 
there's they're saying, you know, now you're going to go to Harvard and you're going to teach a class for 160 people. Yeah. I mean, it, it was 3,000 times worse yes. than that. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, uh, how can I possibly do this? Yeah. And Richie had a band, you know, he had a, a conga player and mm-hmm. I, I think he had some other backup, but he was, you know, Richie Havens and he was mm-hmm. already known. I was unknown. Yeah. Were you, I, I wondered about that. Would you have been played on the radio? Did any, do you, were you just starting your career? Yeah, it was, well, it, in Europe, I had uh, sort of an industry buzz was okay. going on. My career did start in Europe. And, uh, but here there was one DJ, Roscoe, on WNEW FM, New York. And he was playing Beautiful People by uh-huh. a girl named Milani. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, yeah. he, I, I had never met him. He didn't know who I was. In fact, he got the record. Uh, not because the radio state, not because the uh, record company sent it to him, but because he just found it, mm-hmm. you know, it, mm-hmm. it had come into the station, but nobody bothered to promote it. It became what um, was called then a turntable hit. Yes. Uh-huh. I don't know if you've heard of that, but yep. they, they really pretty much can't have such a thing now. Yeah. Um, you can have viral YouTubes, but Right. A turntable hit is not something, you know, where the DJ just liked it uh-huh. and played it. And then maybe some other DJ in Illinois heard it and yeah. he played it. Right. Somebody in LA played it. So it was that sort of a an underground kind of some people heard it, you know, right. a very small percentage of that audience uh, had ever heard it. But if they did, they didn't associate it with the person who was about to get on stage so they dropped me off and they led me to a little tent and I got in the tent it had a box mm-hmm. <laughs> where I could sit and that is pretty much I, I expected somebody to come on and say you're on next you know uh-huh. but that, that didn't happen um, uh, someone else I heard was singing and playing, and then uh, I waited, and every once in a while, someone would come in and say, you're on next, and then they would say, never mind, Um. (laughs) or or they might not say, never mind, they might just, you know, not bother to tell me, and I would hear someone else playing and know it wasn't me. Um, Throughout the day, I the nervousness, the stress, the tension, whatever I was going through all by myself. Mm. I had no one with me, mm. not my mother even. So, yeah. um, so I'm, I'm waiting and waiting and thinking of maybe I can get out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point I strayed a little too far from my tent uh-huh. and I didn't have, I didn't have so much as an artist backstage pass. Mm-hmm. I was just, so, so I'm walking around and some, uh, I guess, security guards saw me and said, what are you doing here? I said, Oh, and this was, you know, when I think back, this was my moment Yeah, that I could have 
I could have gotten out of it mm-hmm. and just said, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I got lost my friends. You know? Yeah, and no one would have known it was you. You could have just left. He would have thrown me out into the crowd. But right. for some reason, I guess my reason for being uh, kicked in and I said, oh, I'm supposed to be singing uh, on the stage. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, yeah, right. Like, like, who are you? I said, well, my name is Melanie, and I sang a few lines of Beautiful People. And he went, oh, okay, well, you better get back to your tent and get a backstage pass because you can't be walking around here. You're not allowed you know, to do that. So I went back in my tent, and I had developed this deep bronchial cough. And it oh, no. Really did sound like demons were coming out of me uh-huh. and um, it, it got deeper and deeper. And um, it's a wonder I had a voice left mm-hmm. by the time I did get on. But apparently Joan Baez, who was in the upper echelon tent. And at that point I, I wasn't really aware of that, but there mm-hmm. was a, a big tent with, I imagine, amenities and, mm-hmm. you know, things that would mm-hmm. make an artist's life better, like a toilet. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> so uh, I, I'm just, you know, sitting there, and I hear a little voice outside the tent flap, and she said, excuse me, Joan heard you coughing and thought you might like this. So Joan oh. Baez sent over a pot of tea. With oh, honey I know that so was nice. Cuddly Woodstock moment. Yes. <laughs> I never got to meet her that day um, or any other day, actually. We oh, wow. Just, like distant friends, you know. So yeah. I, but I, I mean, that was like magic. It was absolutely magic. And I thought, Joan Baez, I mean, she was my, I, my I, idol, you know. Yes. I was, uh, oh my God, Joan Baez, Saint Joan. You yes. Know? yes. And uh, so there, I, I, I had gotten that beautiful moment. I drank the tea, and of course, I started coughing again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. Um, and I didn't get on. It, it had started to rain, and I truly thought, "Oh, it's raining. <laughs> Everybody's." Gonna go home. Now. <laughs> it's really raining. It was really starting to rain, uh-huh. and I heard some—I don't know—wavy gravy or his, his collective was passing out candles and something inspirational. You know, keep yeah. the candles lit and you know keep them from getting wet or whatever. I don't know, but I, I absorbed it, but I didn't. He- remember it uh-huh. um, so I'm thinking there surely these people are not going to stay they're going to just start trudging out of there but um, that isn't what happened and mm. the next person who came in said you're on next oh. the time he meant it and it That's was it. After, after Ravi Shankar mm. and I believe I heard afterward that I took the place of uh, the Incredible String Band. Isn't that Whoa. irony? Wow. 
No so, way. yeah, they were the ones who were supposed to go on, but they knew about electricity and water. Ah, you know? they and were this is something Got it. I didn't know anything about, you know, yes, for me, yes. water, microphones, electricity. I didn't know any of that. So, yeah. um, so they had the, the, the smarts to say, you know, no, thank you. Right. <laughs> not, not right now. Yeah. Um, and I went on. I had an out-of-body experience. I bet. I can, and I, I never talked about it because it seemed like every time I'd start to talk about that in mainstream press circles, uh, they would leave it out. Oh. So I figured oh, people don't want to talk about that. So I, I didn't. I, and and it was it was such an astounding experience that it was almost impossible to articulate. I believe it. But um, uh, I did walk toward the plank. <laughs> it, was, mm-hmm. it felt like the plank, and and it was a, a swinging bridge, you know. And I I watched myself cross that bridge. Wow. I watched myself from my upper right shoulder. I was watching. I was just watching body of Melanie Uh walking onto a stage and everything was very quiet. Very, very quiet. Yeah. And I got on the stage and um at some point I was with me again. Mm -hmm. But that experience I always felt that somehow I resonated with that crowd so strongly and they didn't know who I was, you know, it, it was yeah. pretty amazing. I walked on the stage, an unknown person. I walked off a celebrity, That's right. you know, an instantaneous 500,000 people got to see it at once. Yeah. But what they didn't know and what no one ever uh told them was that uh, they got to see a person coming back to themselves as a spirit, you know, mm. back into their body. And again, I was not a druggie. Yeah. I didn't do anything to alter myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just raw Melanie nerves. Right. right. And uh, I, I became, I was again with my body and I was singing. And resonating with all of those people, yeah. and I was uh, part of that resonance. I think had to do with them witnessing a phenomenon. Yeah, I think you're probably true. Not. Probably true. Yeah. Ooh, that's just gold. That whole retelling. Thanks, Melanie, for recounting all of that for me. That's amazing. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, well, look. Uh, thanks for chatting with me. I mean, you're. You're a legend, and you've been at this for 55 years or something like that, which is a lot. Uh, yeah, it was probably even longer, but... Um, yes, yes. yes. I have, over the years, thank goodness there's uh, an independent uh, group out there. It's getting harder and harder to be independent. So, um, again, I, I did... Um, I. Uh, we're going to put on a, an online concert. Um, it's going to call it the ghost <laughs> for Halloween. Nice. Um, and it's going to start uh, Friday, the 13th. 13th. 
yeah. at 7 p.m. And it's going to run for obviously a limited time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I wrote for beautiful people, B-O-O-T-I-F-E-L. <laughs> and I, I was looking at my email today and some, I don't know, some major company said for beautiful people. And they're like, they stole that. <laughs> they stole oh, that. that's great. So yeah. um, anyway, so the magic bus is out on Bandcamp. Bandcamp yep. is like the um, little stopping off station for independent mm-hmm. uh, people. They keep trying to make it harder and harder uh, for people to connect. But uh, independent you know, people are uh, so many artists are, have figured out that they don't really get, um, you know, what they deserve. Yeah. Especially with the the new streaming laws. Um, really, basically, the mega people right. get the most. Yeah. And then everybody underneath trickles down to pretty much not enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but, but uh, yeah, I have the Woodstock, um, the songs I sang at Woodstock, I finally did it. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't even know what I did when I didn't have a set list. Uh-huh. I, I was just like plucking things out of the air. Yeah. And um, it was just, again, it was what felt right. You know, yeah. I guess. I was just really in tune with what what those people right. wanted, and yeah. um, and I I did a whole set, and yeah. uh, later on, uh, I don't know, the History Channel came and interviewed me, and and said, "Did you ever see your set at Woodstock?" I said, "No, <sighs> I you know I hardly know what I did, you know, yeah, and I I." watched the set i cried i bet i bet i i didn't even realize i had done a whole set so later on i did a an online show uh during one of the anniversaries songs i sang at woodstock that's great and so bo uh you know polished up the audio and Mm -hmm. made it sound really good and uh that's also available on bandcamp Great. Well, we'll put a link to all of it right here and to your website so that people can get on there and find it. Um, Thanks again for chatting with me, Melanie. I'm glad we finally did this. Oh, me too. Thank you so much. Of course. Um, I got pretty good at promoting now, right? You did. I noticed. (laughs) See, I I got a lot of words in. You did. Oh, that's so funny. I noticed that at the end. You were doing such a great job of counting off all the things. (laughs) Uh, John, you're awesome. Thanks for your help. Thank you, Bo. All right. There you have it, Melanie. Uh, Interesting, right? I can't believe she doesn't make any money off of Brand New Key. That is unfathomable to me. She wrote the song, she recorded the song, she should make all the money. I don't understand. Now, I have a copy of the Magic Bus on CD to give away to a Patreon supporter. If you want to be uh, included in that, I will post something on the page later this week. I'm going on vacation, so I'm not going to be fully connected at all or communicative at all this week, but I'll do my best. And then uh, we'll pull a winner when I get back. Also, um, it's my show, so I can have the last say. Uh, COVID is real. 
it was a real thing. My dad did not die of a flu. I can guarantee you that. And uh, if you don't know what's in the vaccine, that's because you're not a doctor. And you don't know what's in most of the medications you take. But you only care about this one because Fox News told you to care about this one. All the greatest medical minds in the world came together at the last minute to do the very best they could to come up with a solution to this problem to help as many people as they can. And there are people out there who don't want to believe that that happened or that there's some other nefarious thing going on. You go ahead and believe that. It's ignorance. It is absolute ignorance. Okay? COVID is real. It is not the flu. Anyway. Uh, next week, I'm not exactly sure what's coming up next week. As I said, I'm going to be on vacation, and so it's whatever I can get ready. We have a ton in the can at the, at the moment, honestly. Um, some are timely. Some I've been holding on to for a while that I really like. So I'm not exactly sure what's going to be coming up next week, but come back. It'll be great. Huge thanks, as always, to Yan the Man Makevich. He's got a lot going on right now, guys. And so when you hear from him or if you want to reach out and tell him you love him, please do because he's he's uh, there's a lot going on. Uh, also, you guys know you can find our page on Facebook. You can send us a message on there. You can send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. Uh, anyway, I think because we weren't able to get the deep dive out this last weekend, that should be forthcoming this weekend. I hope so because it's a lot of fun. Anyway, oh, and I did I say we're closing this out with Ring the Living Bells? I don't think I did. I love this song, and it's one of the hits, and uh, it's probably maybe my favorite Melanie song. I'm not sure. But anyway, I love it. I hope you do, too. Thanks, folks.